0: Chris Strebeler, and from the BC 32, he'll come out on left hash. Four receivers to the right side, and Strebler back to pass. Looking left all the way, throwing deep toward the end zone, and going up to pull it in for a touchdown was
1: Kenbrell-Tompkins. Here's Strebeler going long for Miles White, and he makes nice. the catch, and he's gone. They won't catch him. He's got awesome speed. White for a touchdown for the Blue Bombers. Hal Anderson. Oh, man, I hope we hear some of that tonight. Uh... Strevler touchdowns there from preseason action. It's the Bombers in Edmonton tonight at IGF, the start of another CFL season, the home opener for our Bombers tonight. 5.30 pregame show here on CJOB. Kickoff at around 7.30 with Bob Irving and Doug Brown, who you heard there. And you will hear Bob Knuckles on the show today. Let me take a look here where I've got Bob pinned in. We have a busy show today. Man, I like to keep it a little loose. I like a few spaces where I can have some fun, but we are jammed up today. Two o'clock. We're going to talk right off the two o'clock news with Bob Irving about the game tonight. And then at 2.15, right after we chat with Bob, we will talk with the last rookie quarterback to start a bomber game. It was 2010. It was Joey Elliott. And Joey Elliott will join us. By phone. So we'll talk to Joey. What's that like? Now, Joey had given some relief in the game before when he started that game. It was against Edmonton, interestingly enough. Uh, Joey went 15 for 29, 130 yards. It was October 30th, 2010. And uh, Joey Elliott, the Bombers, lost. That game, 16-13 in overtime. So we'll talk to Joey Elliott about that at around 2.15. Let me go back to the start of the show now. That's the football stuff coming up, 2 and 2.15, Bob Irving and Joey Elliott. We'll take a break here in a bit. Our first segment will feature Mr. Richard Kluche, senior global reporter, global news reporter Richard Kluche, also co-host of The News here on CJOB 4 to 7 every afternoon. And Richard is at this announcement. The province right now announcing its plan to improve health care across the province today. And Richard's going to join us in less than 10 minutes and let us know uh, all about that, or at least what he can, because my understanding is the announcement is is still going on. So we'll talk to Richard Kluce coming up here. After the news at one thirty with TFJ, Tristan Field-Jones. Uh, Susan Rokin will join us, president of the Manitoba Writers Guild. The 30th annual Manitoba Book Awards go tomorrow night. And so we'll talk to Susan about the books in the running for the Book Awards. All right. 145. If you were at the Goldeyes game last night, you might have tried a new product that they helped develop over at Red River College's Culinary Research and Innovation Program. And we'll talk to the program manager, Joel Lamaru, at about 145, quarter to two. Then Bob Irving after the news at two, Joey, uh, Joey Elliott at 215, so we're covering the football uh, story today. And then 230 to three, Carolyn Klassen will be here from Connexis Counseling. She, of course, is here every Friday for half an hour, we talk about all kinds of stuff with her, and I'm curious to hear how her TEDx Winnipeg talk went yesterday. The uh, TEDx Winnipeg event went yesterday, and Carolyn was one of the speakers. Tough trivia. I don't know where we're going to do it today, but we'll squeeze it in somewhere because we have four Red River X gate admissions and Santa Lucia pizza. Somebody will win that if they can answer today's tough trivia question. By the way, the Red River X gets going. Tomorrow and tomorrow, when we play tough trivia, we are gonna really up de- uh, upgrade the uh, the Red River apri- uh, part of the prize pack, and I'll tell you more about that tomorrow. But uh, today, for Red River X gate admissions, and Santa Lucia Pizza, and also on the show today, Mike Lynn Lower, organic lawn care coordinator at Manitoba Eco Network, and we're gonna talk with her about some organic lawn care workshops that they've got coming up. And we'll talk to her a bit about what exactly is organic lawn care. I think you've got a pretty good idea, but we'll talk to her about it. And by the way, those workshops on organic lawn care uh, begin on, uh, let me look here, Tuesday. The first one is at River Heights Library on Tuesday, 7 to 8 in the evening. And then there are three more after that. Like I said, though, we'll talk more about that uh, a little later on. All right. So, as you can see, we do have lots to get to here. It's 1:10, 10 after 1. Let's take a break and come back and talk about this healthcare announcement today with our Richard Klutsch. Stay right there. It's Hal Anderson on CJOB. And at one fifteen, Richard Cluche joins us, the province announcing its plan to improve health care right across Manitoba. Richard, I understand they're still uh, releasing details. What can you tell us so far?
2: Well, they've just wrapped up Hal, and this is one of those stories where I guess the let's use a a, a football comparison. Chris Trevler uh, starts tonight uh, for your Winnipeg Blue Bombers rookie quarterback, raw rookie. Uh, is learning the playbook. Well, today they released the playbook. This is all the healthcare changes, and it's going to come in waves. They're looking at implementing this months but years to come right across the province of Manitoba. And like most people that watch or listen to football games, you want to watch and enjoy, you want to know the score, but the various blocking assignments and everything else, you know, it goes over a lot of our heads. And in this case, this is the detail that the government of Manitoba is sharing with us. They're being transparent. It's all kind of the inside football, blocking assignments, who's doing what, but it is so important. Now, while this is about improving the healthcare system, and let's face it, we spend, what is it, over $6 billion annually in healthcare, but we don't. Uh, the system does not perform very well so how this is that blueprint this is that playbook to improve the healthcare system there's various shifting there's various changes going on but essentially we got a healthcare system in manitoba that was built in the 60s and 70s and really hasn't been updated it's just been added on to right this is really you know scrapping the old playbook and bringing a new one and they're implementing this over several years Uh, some of the highlights you'll know some of these institutions the government has created what's called shared health services this is kind of the overarching unit of uh, of health care out of health sciences center that's going to be in charge provincially of most health care they're going to be taking over the selkirk uh, mental health center and addictions foundation those two um, units will be uh, folded into shared health services. So what you're doing at the top, they're reducing the number of boards that oversee various uh, health care deliveries. And we've always talked about uh, how many union contracts there are. Right now there's 183. Today they said we're reducing it to 40. Uh, but there are some very important decisions still to come in the months ahead, and we can talk a little bit about that. But this is the playbook that they've announced today.
1: And uh, so, any surprises uh, of the highlights? Uh, what sticks out for you?
2: Well, the, 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 there's no surprises in the sense that this all flows from all the reports that they've made public over the last uh, year and a half. Mm-hmm. But what's still to come? That if you're listening right now in rural Manitoba, there's going to be a report finally going to government recommendations as to which healthcare. Uh, facilities are going to remain open, which ones are going to be recommended to close. And it's not a simple, um, uh, you know, a a, a real simple strategy in that way. Essentially, uh, Health Minister Calvin Gertson is going to get a report from Shared Health Services making recommendations. And if uh, you're in that tornado watch area right now, and, you know, the Souris-Molida area, there are a lot of small communities in that area mm-hmm. that are wondering, you know, am I still going to have my hospital? But the problem is a lot of these places aren't real hospitals. You can't do a lot of things that modern hospitals do, yet they still purport to be hospitals. In many ways, they're health centers or personal care homes, but they still have that H on it. So what they're doing, they're going through a whole host of uh, criteria to to determine which ones will ultimately stay open, which ones will close, and uh, they're putting all the the rural ambulances, the EMS personnel in place before they make those recommendations, but I expect by the end of the summer, we're going to see which facilities are going to be slated to be scaled back or closed outright, and that's a major decision by government. But again, this is a government that said, hey, we're going to actually convert emergency rooms to urgent cares or in Concordia. We're going to shut down the ER and open up a a clinic there. So they're pretty courageous when it comes to making these decisions, but it's unsustainable, Hal. Uh, You can't keep on throwing money at a system when you're not getting the results, and that's what's driving this. You need to have better health care in the province, and uh, one of the people they introduced today is somebody that – that uh, has been involved in the process for a couple of years now. His name is Ian Shaw. He'll join us later on the news and in tomorrow morning with Jeff Courier. He's looked at the system and he's compared it to other provinces. And um, we're so used to just throwing money at contracts. I'll, I'll give you a quick example: mm-hmm. uh, Northern Transportation for uh, for healthcare. We spend millions of dollars transporting people from northern Manitoba down to southern Manitoba to Health Sciences Center. Sometimes it's necessary, often it's not. And what we do, we we spend $45,000 a month, in some cases, to cab companies that will either taxi somebody down or uh, have a different type of transportation. And these are the types of procurement that we just kind of add on, add on, add on, add on, And nobody's actually looked at these contracts and said, you know what, maybe there's a different way to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's this process that's going on. It's going to take some some years to figure out, but um, it's one of those things that has to be done because we cannot keep spending the millions we are in the healthcare system and getting the same crappy results out of it. At some point, going back to the playbook, if you're not putting on a winning football team, yeah, you look at the people that are doing it, but if you've got a rotten playbook to begin with, you got to start making some changes. So this government, they're redoing the playbook.
1: Yeah, it ain't it ain't, it, it ain't working the way we're doing it. We got to figure out a better way to do this. And I guess my next question then is, as they announce this uh, transformation of the healthcare system right across the province today. Are they happy with the way things have gone so far? Is it is it working the way they thought it would? Because let's face it, you know, if it's not or if they have concerns, then it must be, though, or otherwise they wouldn't be moving ahead with this. I talked to a lot of people
2: within the system, um, from frontline nurses. Some of them, you know, they're putting in a lot of overtime that they yep. shouldn't be. Uh, there's a range, but uh, it's going a lot better than they thought it would. Hmm. Now, they've slowed it down a bit. Um, because it was going a little bit too fast in in Winnipeg, but uh, usually a lot of this is dictated by the headlines. We haven't been telling people or the stories about uh, people not getting the health care. That hasn't happened, Hal. Mm -hmm. There was fears when this first started that there would be all sorts of negative stories, health care stories. Now, they've either got a really good way of burying all the problems, or it's actually working. My sense is... Well, there have been some problems. There have been some hook hiccups on this that they're adjusting. But generally, it's been a pleasant surprise that they're actually and 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 how there have been people wanting to do this for 20, 25 years that the previous government looked at them and just kind of said, are you kidding? They're not going to reelect us if we do this. Mm-hmm. I'll give Pallister some credit. He may not be the most popular premier, but he's driving ahead on some generational change and he's doing it starting with the healthcare system.
1: Yeah, you know, I sort of got a sense a while ago that things must be going well because the province even said, yeah, we've got some issues with some workers and overtime and and it's tough, but for them to kind of go, yep, you know, our bad on that one, we'll take that, but it must be working because they, they sort of took ownership of that. That was a little sign that I saw, and I thought, oh, okay, things must be going the way they want them to go.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right in that way. The other little morsel out of this press conference at the end of it was, I asked the the Health Minister, Calvin Gertzen, about one of the, the, the consultations that they're going to be doing with the private sector. And Again, you're going to hear the unions, particularly the Manitoba Government Employees Union, push back on this big time. And that's what they do. They have to represent mm-hmm. their people. But Gertson said, hey, whether this is unionized or not, we're going to look to the private sector because in the end, it's the quality of service that's being provided. Don't care whether it's provided by somebody carrying a union card or not. And that was pretty provocative of the minister to say that. Mm. I know he's always felt that. The government has always felt that. But he said it. You'll hear that clip coming up here on 680 CJOB. But it's one of those things where this government is saying, we're plowing ahead with the changes because we've got the courage of our convictions. We know we're right in the end. And this playbook, we believe, is the right way to go.
1: Richard, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. As you said, more coming up on the news after 4 o'clock and, of course, on the news as we go along here this afternoon. Thanks, Rich. Rich. You bet. Richard Cloutier, co-host of The News, starting at 4 here on CGOB. And, of course, Richard Cloutier, also our senior global news reporter. Healthcare transformation. We'll talk more about that as we go along. The news with Tristan Field-Jones is coming up here uh, in just a moment. And we've got uh, some weather happening out there. Potential tornado activity in southwest Manitoba. We'll tell you all about that coming up in the news with TFJ here at one thirty, And then after the news, we're going to talk to the head of the Manitoba Writers Guild about the 30th Annual Manitoba Book Awards. They are happening uh, tomorrow night, you can get tickets through Eventbrite. I believe they still have some tickets available if you want to go and check that out. Beer-flavored pretzel seasoning. If you were at the Gold Eyes game last night, you might have tried that. It is a product that was developed with the help of Red River College's Culinary Research and Innovation Program. We'll talk to the manager of that program, Joel Amaru at about 1.45, so a big half hour coming up, and then 2 to 2.30, it's all about football. Bob Irving and Joey Elliott will join us. Joey Elliott, the last rookie quarterback to start a Bomber game. That was in 2010. He started the game against Edmonton. Chris is doing the same thing tonight, leading the Bombers against Edmonton. We'll see what Joey Elliott has to say about that. Go back eight years, and find out what was going through his mind as uh, he got ready to do that, and maybe we'll have a better understanding of what Strevler is dealing with tonight with the Bombers. Pre-game, 5.30 here on CJOB. Hal Anderson on CJOB.
3: A tornado watch is in effect for parts of southwestern Manitoba near the Saskatchewan border, including Melita, Verdon and Souris. Severe thunderstorm watch in effect for other areas of southwestern Manitoba including Minnedosa, Brandon and Killarney. Damaging wind gusts, large hail and heavy rain are all possible. For today, a mix of sun and cloud with a slight chance of showers and the risk of thunderstorms. Southeast wind 30 gusting to 50. A high of 28. Tonight, showers or thunderstorms late this evening, ending before morning. Wind dying down after midnight. Low of 18. Tomorrow, clearing high of 27 and for Saturday a mix of sun and cloud a high of 25 it's 27 degrees at 680 CJOB and now back to Hal Anderson
1: and uh, TFJ before you run off there as we mentioned before you're a bit of a storm chaser are we mm. potentially looking well I guess we are but uh, what do you think the chances are that something could uh, kick up in southwest Manitoba as far as severe weather goes today
3: it looks increasingly likely mm. uh, there are a lot of American storm chasers that have crossed the border to hit that kind of southeast Saskatchewan southwestern part of the province. Really? Uh, the conditions are, are certainly there. There's mm-hmm. potential for some tornadoes and maybe even a strong tornado. We'll mm-hmm. see about that. All right. Uh, I know that the, the Storm Prediction Center in the U.S. has highlighted that area and specifically mm-hmm. um, so I, I would say if you're in southwestern Manitoba for sure keep your eye to the sky and also and when I was chatting with Mike conkin about this we are not out of the woods here in Winnipeg because if those storms maintain enough intensity throughout the evening they will likely track east so mm. we could get hit by something nasty but it wouldn't be until certainly after the bomber game
1: well that's good yeah because yeah, I know a lot of people are wondering about that right no they... the
3: bomber game should be okay
1: okay. Good. All right. Thank you very much, TFJ, Tristan Field-Jones. He'll be back with the news at 2, and we will keep an eye on the weather for you as uh, that potential, at least in southwest Manitoba, exists for uh, possibly tornadoes and uh, other severe storms. So we're keeping an eye on that for you. Tomorrow night, the 30th Annual Manitoba Book Awards happen. And the president of the Manitoba Writers Guild is here now, Susan Rokan. Susan, nice to see you. Thanks for coming in.
4: Well, thanks for having me.
1: Um, can you tell us uh, how many books are in the running? How do the awards work for people that don't know?
4: For people who don't know, um, the publishers usually are the ones that will submit the books if they think they're eligible for certain awards. We have fourteen awards that will be presented this week this year. Um, we've got, uh, we've had about at least a hundred uh, books submitted. Wow. So it was a really tough decision to narrow it down to the, just the short list that we have, uh, on our websites mm-hmm. right now. And, uh, so we're really excited about uh, how things are going. Uh, we're down to the wire and it's, <laughs> it's kind of exciting.
1: Yeah. Well, we have a great history in this province of wonderful writers and, and fantastic books. So of the prizes then that you're going to be giving away the awards, which one is sort of the big
4: one? The biggest ones are the McNally Robinson Book Awards. Mm-hmm. Um, we have two for the young the um, young people awards. They're twenty five hundred each, and then the the Book of the Year award, of course, is five thousand. We do have others that are um, good. the 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 Writer of the Year, the yeah. Hirsch the uh, Hirsch Award, is uh, I think that's another big one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's twenty five hundred, and uh, we have a lot of sponsors of the uh, Carol Shields Winnipeg Book Award um, is Winnipeg Book Award is also five thousand uh, dollars prize. So there's some big ones, and mm-hmm. you know, so it's it also adds a lot of prestige to the writers and the illustrators sure. and the publishers that that get nominated and that uh, win the awards.
1: Absolutely. So uh, listen, not to take because there's way too many authors and books we we couldn't mention them all. True. But are there uh, in in say Book of the Year, which is a, mm-hmm. a major award? Can you talk about uh, maybe one or two of the books in that category, uh, books that maybe people might want to check out and, and why they have found their way to that major category at the book awards?
4: Well, I wasn't really involved with the jury process, so I don't know too much about the books. Um, but uh, Mayra Cook, her Once More with Feelings is is one of the run- in the running. Portraits of the North by Gerald Cool, Runaway Wives and Rogue Feminists. By Margot Goodhand, um, "Snacks: A Canadian Food History" by Janice Thiessen, and "The Water Beetles" by Michael Kahn are all in the running. And they—it it was a really hard decision for most of the jurors on, on all the committees to decide who is going to be the winners. They're mm-hmm. all really good, good quality books, and the publishers are fantastic. And it's—it's it's just going to be really exciting to see who's. Who's going to win the awards? Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: uh, and tickets are still available. You were telling me people can get those through Eventbrite. Yes. And uh, just go and get your tickets. It's coming up fast tomorrow night, but there are still seats available. There
4: are, also, are seats available. If we don't sell them all on Eventbrite, there might be a few at the door, but okay. um, we're hoping that uh, we'll be sold out. Um, but you can still come down and, and take a look. We might And just have, so
1: people know where it's happening, where and what time.
4: It's at the Robert Schultz Theater in St. John's College. Uh, and that's at the University of Manitoba. It at starts at 7 o'clock, should be there early just to make sure that you're able to get a seat. Um, we have a free parking right across the street in the queue lot mm-hmm. after 4.30, I believe. Uh, there's a parking parkade right next door. There's elevators for, you know, mobility mm-hmm. challenged people. And, um, yeah, I think we, we can accommodate mm-hmm. everybody.
1: Yeah, well, and it it sort of celebrates, uh, you know, a a really important local... Aspects, you know, about, about part of all of our lives, right? I mean, because you know, technology is sort of changing how we consume books. Some of us, some mm. of us, still love that, you know, holding that old book and feeling the pages and the smells and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. But it it it's changing, and I think that uh, it's important to recognize these, uh, you know, wonderful authors and their books. It's important.
4: Oh, definitely. I mean, we have a very rich uh, history of of literary. Um, accomplishments. Uh, We've been, like I said, 30 years it's been since the first book award was um, presented, 1988. uh, It was a book of poetry and uh, it was McNally Robinson's that uh, initiated the the whole thing. And now we have um, on average 14, 15 um, awards each year. Some of them are only every other year, but um, we do have uh, quite a few and we've got lots of sponsors that have been willing to donate money for these awards. So it's not just the writers, it's the publishers, it's the illustrators, it's the designers. Mm. Um, there's awards for every aspect of yeah. the, the production.
1: Mm-hmm. Just like the Academy Awards, right? There yeah. are many many things that go into uh, making a great movie and the same, uh, same with a book. So, is there a website if people want to read more about the books that are in the running and see the sponsors, and, and that, that's important? Uh, can they go to the Manitoba Writers Guild website, or yes. what's the website?
4: Well, the shortlist is on the Manitoba um, book, uh, book Awards website. It's also on the Manitoba Writers Guild website. It's on our Facebook page. Um, the event, uh, right, uh, access is also on Facebook. So, if you're on Facebook, mm-hmm. you can go there and and follow the links on both on all the websites. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can get, uh, get you yeah. a ticket.
1: As president of the Manitoba <laughs> Writers Guild, um, what makes a good writer? I mean, there's many different forms of, of, of writing, but what what are some qualities that you think make a great writer?
4: Well, I think it really, ha- you have to have a passion for writing. You have to be able to, be willing to take criticism uh, to make your craft better. You need to always strive to to learn more about it Uh explore different areas, I think, of writing just so that you are well-rounded and, and you have a, a really good sense of how to tell a story.
1: Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's funny, you know, in in radio, and I started in radio news. In radio news, it's all about the facts, keep it short, you know. And in the last few years, I've uh, written more longer pieces and it's it's difficult. It's you think I'm a good writer, mm-hmm. but boy, it, it's difficult to. I think I'm a good storyteller on the radio, but to tell it in in words, to put you know pen to paper or you know click the keys on the computer, it, it's it it is a it is an incredibly difficult thing to do well
4: it is and some people are much better at writing short things mm. like the short stories some people are better at the longer stories that they can you know explore all aspects of characters and setting and plot and all that sort of thing uh and and then there's the poets they they love language they have a real knack for putting the right word in the right place at the right time it's it is a very a very difficult skill sometimes to to mm. get that that good at it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Susan, thanks for coming in today. I really appreciate it. I think it's important we let people know about the book awards tomorrow night. And if you can get out to it, certainly go out. I think it'll be a great night. Tickets still available at Eventbrite, the 30th annual Manitoba Book Awards. And again, that's tomorrow night. And Susan Rokan is the president of the Manitoba Writers Guild. Anything else you wanted to mention?
4: Just that if if um, you don't, if you just want to drop in, mm. we might have a few extra tickets okay. at the door. So they are, they will be available Um, probably, I don't know whether we'll be sold out by then, but, uh, you know, you can check us out.
1: Mm -hmm. Great. Susan, thanks for coming in. Quick break here. It is 1.43. When we come back, we're going to find out about a cool new product you might've tried at the Gold Eyes game last night. Stay tuned. All right, 148, joining us now from the Culinary Research and Innovation Program at Red River College. It's the manager of that program, Joel Amaru. Good afternoon, Joel. How's it going, Al? Excellent. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. No
5: problem. Thank
1: so you. So tell us about this beer-flavored pretzel seasoning. If people were at the Gold Eyes game last night, they might have tried it at the pretzel place.
5: Yeah, so last, last night was uh, the Pretzel Place's uh, launch of a beer-flavored pretzel season we helped develop for them. So uh, the culinary research program here at Red River, we help uh, small companies with, uh, well, small, medium, and large companies. I shouldn't just uh, pigeonhole us to that, but yeah. uh, help companies with a bit of their R&D and kind of their, uh, their challenges that they're facing.
1: I want to ask you more about the program, but let's just focus on the seasoning for now. How did this come to be? So actually, one
5: of uh, one of Pretzel Place's fans came up to the owner, Sue, and said, we should make a pretzel that tastes like beer because pretzel that tastes like beer and beer that tastes like beer sounds like a good match. It's yep. kind of a story similar to that. So uh, came to us with the idea, and we uh, worked diligently with her on getting a product that's suitable for uh, her concession stands.
1: And this is what you guys do, and uh, as you mentioned, you do it for a lot of different people, some big companies, uh, some small um, this is huge, right? I mean, this program has just taken off at Red River College.
5: Yeah, it's doing really well. Um, the, the purpose of the program is really to uh, kind of leverage the best of the culinary side. So we'll engage instructors and students in some projects, and it helps our team um, leverage from them as well. So uh, we uh, were funded by NSERC, so Natural Science, Engineering, and Research Council of Canada, so they help uh, cover some of the costs of these projects and help us work with industry to uh, get them to the next step. So that's a little different for every company. In this case, it was uh, beer seasoning.
1: Yeah. Tell us about some of the other products you worked on.
5: Uh, we worked on a few different projects. Uh, sometimes they're they're focused on sustainability, some of the pillars within the college. So there was a project that was uh, released in the media what, a year ago or so we had done a ferment fermentation project with brewers spent grain not that we only work with beer but it's the ones that get a lot of traction these days so mm-hmm. we ended up making a miso product so we, instead of using uh, pulses, we ended up using uh, reclaimed uh, spent grain from some of the local breweries and did a fermentation project. So uh, most of the projects that we're actually working on, because of confidentiality, Hal, unfortunately, can't I can't talk, even about, talk about, about them. <laughs> yeah,
1: I got you. I understand. Um, so if somebody <laughs> listening right now has an idea for a food product, you're there to potentially help them. Absolutely, yeah. And what should we're they definitely... do? Just reach out and contact you and say, here's my idea, or how does it work? Easiest way to get a hold of us
5: is to go on rrc.ca and type in culinary research. It'll link us directly into our contacts, and uh, they can get a hold of us that way.
1: All right, Joel. Thanks a lot for doing this. Appreciate it. Joel Lamaru, Culinary Research and Innovation, the Program Manager at Red River College. And again, the website, rrc.ca, rrc.ca. And you can just type in the Culinary Research and Innovation Program and find out more there. Again, Joel Lamoureux joining us. And I am I'm kind of excited, actually, to try that beer-flavored pretzel seasoning. I mean, yeah, right? Why not? Beer and pretzels, those go together like, uh, I don't know, as my dad used to say, apple pie, and cheese and apple. What, what was the line he used to have? My dad used to say, Apple pie without cheese is like a kiss without a squeeze, <laughs> which is probably inappropriate now. I don't know. You know, you wouldn't want to say that around the workplace or you might get some funny looks and HR might come and talk to you. I don't know. but And then I never really understood that, you know, because I thought, oh, geez, who eats apple pie with cheese? But I guess maybe back in the day or maybe people still eat it that way. I don't know. I've never had cheese. I love cheese. Never had cheese, though, with apple pie. But my dad used to say that all the time. So maybe it's something from his generation. Anyhow, I digress. Uh, we got lots of stuff coming up on the show today. I'm pretty excited about, uh, well, of course, talking to Bob right after the news at 2, coming up here with Tristan Field-Jones. And then at around 2.15, we're going to get Joey Elliott on the phone. You might say, well, how? Why are you talking to Joey Elliott? Well, because Joey Elliott was the last rookie quarterback to start a Bomber game, right? We're all talking about Chris Strebler and hope he does well tonight for the Bombers as they take on Edmonton. Again, pregame here on CGOB at 5.30, kickoff at 7.30. The broadcast with Bob Irving and and Doug Brown and Greg Mackling and the commissioner is going to be on the pregame show tonight, Bob tells me. Um, but... Uh, we had this idea about uh, Joey Elliott in the news meeting this morning, and I got to thank uh, Kelly Moore for doing all the legwork, tracking down Joey Elliott. Apparently he's a, he's a scout for the Colts now in the NFL, and he has a, a business going called Elliott Quarterback Academy. So he's helping other young quarterbacks or maybe old quarterbacks uh, be better. So looking forward to chatting with Joey Elliott as well at about 2.15. So lots of reasons to stick around. Also coming up every Friday, she's here from Connexus Counseling, Carolyn Klassen from 2.30 to 3. And I'm excited to find out how Carolyn's TEDx Winnipeg talk went yesterday. Winning on the show today, too, we're giving away four Red River X-Gate admissions and Santa Lucia pizza. So stand by for our tough trivia question and organic lawn care. There are workshops coming up through the Manitoba Eco Network, and we're going to talk about those workshops and talk a bit about organic lawn care as well. I think we're going to do that in the 3 o'clock hour, so stick around. All that coming up. Um, we had Richard Cluche on toward the start of the show. He was talking about uh, this uh, health care, um, what's the word, health care transformation. The province had an announcement today, and we'll talk more about that as we uh, go along. But I did get uh, a text message here from Danny commenting on what Richard said. Oh, wake up, Richard. This is Danny saying this. Oh, wake up, Richard. Our medical system is still bad. The fact that you aren't hearing the horror stories Is because they ain't getting better with hiding. mm, Doesn't make any sense the way it's. Maybe I've got it in the wrong. um, Sorry. With hiding. Oh, I see. With hiding the stories with patient relations services. Uh, Spending is still through the roof. Miss spending. Want to know why the new HSC Women's Hospital? hasn't happened yet. The people that took our money to build it did a half assed job and left. The electrical is messed up. This building can't be opened until the fiasco has been fixed. It's going to cost in the millions to fix. Yeah, our system is great. That was sarcasm. Uh, Danny. So you can weigh in as well if you want. That's what uh, Danny thinks. 204 780. 6868. You can also email hal at cjob.com. And in case you're wondering, today, of course, is Bomber Game Day, but it's also Family History Day. It's International Bath Day. It's Monkey Around Day. It's Bourbon Day. Oh, it's Nursing Assistance Day today. It's Pause for the Pledge Day. And it's World Blood Donor Day today. And it's also the U.S. Army's birthday, too, I noticed. All right, let's break here. The two o'clock news coming up with TFJ and then Bob Irving and Joey Elliott. We're talking football after the news. And uh, coming up in the news, possibly some severe weather in southwest Manitoba today, maybe even a twister or two. TFJ has details in the news. Next, it's Hal on CJOB. It's not just me. There's so many guys and,
3: you know, but as long as my play gives the ch- team a chance to win, I'm I'm happy with how how that goes.
1: That is young Chris Traveler. He will start at quarterback for the Big Blue tonight. The Bombers pregame show here on CGOB at 5:30, kickoff at 7:30 over at Investors Group Field. Coming up here in about 10 minutes, we're going to talk to the last rookie quarterback to start a Bomber game that happened in 2010. His name Joey Elliott, so stand by. Joey Elliott coming up here on Hal Anderson Afternoons. Right now, let's go to the phone and uh, get a preview of tonight's game from the voice of the Bombers, Hall of Fame broadcaster, Bob Irving. Hello, Bob.
0: Hello, Hal. It's game day. Are you ready?
1: I'm ready, baby. I'm ready. You know, this whole Strevler thing has actually added a different type of excitement to the home opener, the opening night for the CFL. It's it's kind of cool. I hope it goes well.
0: Yeah, I, it's added an element of curiosity, Hal, to me, is what it's added. And I, I know for some fans it's it's taken a bit of an edge off the game because there was so much optimism about what Matt Nichols and company would do. But then at the other side of that, it's added, as I say, a curiosity factor. And Strebler's mm-hmm. been the guy in the spotlight uh, ever since Matt Nichols got hurt and they announced Strebler would start. So, we're all wondering how he's going to do tonight.
1: Yeah, I, I just hope it goes well. I, if, if if it goes well, this could be an exciting four to six weeks uh, while we wait for Matt Nichols to return. If it doesn't go well, man, it could be a long, long four to six weeks.
0: Well, I think that's the way most people are looking at it. You know, if Strebler can play reasonably well tonight and uh, the Bombers can win the game, wow, that will be uh, that will be a great way to start the season without your number one guy and Matt Nichols. Uh, if it goes the other way, and uh, and who knows, it could very well. Uh, then there's going to be, I think, an air of oh boy, we're in trouble, sort of thing. So hey, uh, let's see what happens. Yeah. It's uh, uh, you know, I, I'm uh, really interested to see how he plays because we're hearing so much good stuff about him and all the the great sort of uh, intangibles that he has. Uh, So let's, uh, and I had a nice chat with him, Hal. You're going to hear it on the pregame show tonight. He's uh, he's a real down-to-earth guy, you know, and he's it doesn't expect uh, too much, but he, you know, I think he's quietly confident as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, let's roll it out and see what happens.
1: Yeah, have you talked to Matt Nichols at all? How's he feeling about this? He must be disappointed, eh?
0: Well, they haven't made him available. I'm sure he's devastated. I know he was devastated when he suffered the injury on the field. You could tell it in the expression on his face. He was uh, he was at the on the sideline yesterday during the walkthrough. Uh, chatting with Darren Cameron he had a little bandage around his right knee which uh, you know is the knee that's injured so he, he was kind of smiling and laughing I think he's over the sort of the early shock of the whole thing Hal and now he's on to recovery and Hoping to get back sooner rather than later.
1: And you know, with the Strevler talk and and Matt being out, we haven't really talked a lot, or I guess I haven't, and I'm I'm guilty of that. Haven't talked a lot about some of the other weapons the Bombers have. And man, have they got some other weapons, right?
0: Well, yeah. It, there's so much focus on the injury to Nichols and Strevler that we forget about the defense. And I believe I tell people when i talked to them about the bombers that the i think the defense is going to be tremendously improved this year i think adam big hills a wonderful addition i think they'll be stronger in the back end i don't believe they'll have all those breakdowns in the back end that they had before and certainly they'll get a great test of that tonight because mike riley the quarterback of the eskimos referenced that when i chatted with him yesterday and you'll hear from him on the pregame show tonight as well he said you know their defense uh, was capable of making turnovers, but they also had breakdowns, and we took advantage of them in the playoff game last year. So yeah. I think they'll be better in that area. Special teams, I look for Kevin Fogg, who two years ago, Hal, was the best punt returner in the CFL. I, I look for him to return to that for him. Last year he was okay, but he, he wasn't the same dynamic player. I think he can be again. Medlock, of course, is, you know, in the minds of many, the best kicker in the league. So, yeah, this and, and on offense, they have a good offensive line. They have Andrew Harris and all those receivers, Dressler and Darius Bowman and the and Darvin Adams and the whole gang. So, yeah, this is a very talented football team. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, if Strebler can can perform okay, they got a shot.
1: And I'll tell you, this Edmonton team is nothing like the Edmonton team that Strevler played so well against.
0: Well, no, I mean that was a, a bunch of backups in the preseason. This is a this is the real Edmonton team. Although I'll point this out, Hal, uh, the Eskimos don't have three of their starting defensive backs here tonight. They're injured, hmm. um, and two of them, Aaron Grimes and Johnny Adams, the former Bomber, are are real stalwarts back there. So I think there's an opportunity for the Bomber offense and for Strevler to make some hay against that. Edmonton defense because they're pretty beat up so again there's another area to watch tonight.
1: You've talked a couple times about people you'll have on the pregame show you got a big uh, pregame show starts at five thirty here on CJOB tonight and I know the commissioner is going to drop by.
0: Yeah Randy Ambrose is here for the game this is the CFL season opener so we're going to visit with uh, Randy the good the good Winnipegger get an idea of some of his uh, plans for the league. He's got some very big plans, and uh, it's going to be fun talking to him. It's always interesting talking to him because he has a lot of uh, good ideas and interesting ideas about the league. And of course, we'll focus a lot on Streveler and Adam Big Hill and mm. uh, the matchups, Doug Brown, and we'll have uh, Eddie Tate join us from BlueBombers.com. Uh, Jerry Matajong, who covers the Eskimos, will fill us in on what's going on with them. So it'll be. Uh, sparkling radio hal starting at 5 30. it always is bob have a great game thank you very much <laughs> okay I'll-
1: there is bob irving hall of fame broadcaster voice of the bombers 5 30 pregame show uh, 7 30 kickoff it's all for you here on CJOB. make sure you keep it here by the way um, oh, and coming up here, we're going to take a break here in a sec, but uh, coming up here after the break, Joey Elliott, former Bomber, last rookie quarterback to start a Bomber game. That was in 2010, so we'll talk to Joey about that and get some insight as to what Chris Streffler must be going through. By the way, halftime show tonight at the game will feature the Red Basically, it's the walkers backwards, but... It's the REC Laws, a country duo, brother and sister. I, to be honest with you, I had not heard of them. But they are fantastic. They were on Mackling and McGarry this morning talking about their career a bit and the hits that they've had, and they've had some hits. In fact, Hometown Kids, which you're about to hear, had over 3 million streams. And as we head to a break... Here are the reclaws telling Mackling and McGarry this morning how exciting it was to have a song with that many streams.
6: We'll be back with Joey Elliott. That was always a goal of ours. We had no idea what to expect. You write something and you put it out and you have no idea what the fans are going to think. And then you see that happen. And I think that our, our management just told us it was like the second most streamed song in 2018 of any Canadian country song, which is crazy. So, so far. Yes, yeah, so far. Boys roll up. Like they own the place Girls dress down With the plaids around their waist Every Friday, Saturday, Chevrolet i kicking that dust on that too late Highway, no shame Just doing us Cause we are those born and raised On summer days That every small town song sings about
1: All right, 219, getting ready for the Bombers tonight, taking on Edmonton at Investors Group Field, 5.30 pregame, 7.30 kickoff. Of course, we get it all for you here on CJOB. And joining us on the phone now, the last rookie quarterback to start a Bomber game, Mr. Joey Elliott. Joey, thanks a lot for doing this. I really appreciate it.
7: Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah.
1: So do you remember that game back in 2010?
7: Oh, I definitely do. I'm glad you texted me about going on the air. You know, you always like bringing up bad memories of a tough <laughs> loss.
1: But listen, you yeah, you lost, but you went 15 for 29 for 130 yards, and you lost, but in overtime, 16-13 to these same Edmonton Eskimos. That was October 30th, 2010.
7: You're missing one key point there. We, we lost in overtime, but before the overtime, we drove down the field and the official called a penalty um, at the end of the game. We lost it down, so we had to um, kick it instead of trying to win the game. So that was a tough one. Oh, but, no. The, I, did, uh, I didn't I didn't know that. Didn't play, he, we wouldn't hurry up offense. The official didn't reset the play clock. So when I turned around, the play clock was at zero. We took a penalty, but it was like in between. He didn't reset the play clock, and he was supposed to. Um, and we took a penalty, had to kick a field goal, and then went in overtime and lost. It was a tough one. No
1: kidding. Yeah. And the reason we, we thought of you today, well, we've been talking about you all week, actually, but the reason we thought, yeah, let's see if Joey wants to come on and talk about it. And you're right, it, it maybe isn't a great memory, but at that time, you know, <laughs> being a rookie, starting at quarterback for the Bombers, it must have been you must have been through the roof excited, but also scared to hell.
7: I was I was I was more excited. Um you know that Alex Brink and Steven Giles both got hurt in front of me. Um they had no one else to turn to. So it was uh hey, you better better figure it out. We're gonna go with you this week. It was nice um to know that I was gonna start, you know, as tonight as they have a rookie starter coming in. Um he's probably known for at least I would hope a week, you know, um leading into the game. That's what made it nice, and Coach LaPolice and Buck tonight, they'll do a great job uh, drawing up some plays and scheming it up for the young guy to um, have a chance to win. When I was playing, my mindset was, you know, don't lose the game early. Manage the game. Give yourself a chance to win at the end. Because CFL, three-down football, a lot of things can happen in those last three minutes, but if you don't give yourself a chance to get to those last three minutes, you you can't win the game.
1: Well, and I think you know based on on what you're saying and and what we know about that game you you did a pretty you lost the game, but you did a pretty good job of of accomplishing your
7: goals there it was i mean we as an offense we tried to keep it simple um you know as a quarterback, you got to go into the game knowing um what you can and can't do, and having a short playlist and play calling we called some of the same plays. But, you know, obviously we ran them out of different formations. But for the quarterback, it's the same read. You're reading the same guy. Um, if the first guy opens in that progression, get rid of the football. Um, and so I had a lot of guys, a lot of support cast around me. Uh, the defense played really well that day. They were inspired. Um, you know, going on the road, was it was fun. That's for sure. You know, you're the
1: last rookie quarterback to start a bomber game, but the last rookie quarterback to start a season for a team was Anthony Calvillo back in the 90s. I can't remember the exact year in the 90s with the Las Vegas posse, and things worked out pretty good for Anthony.
7: You're you're exactly right. That's pretty good company right there. That is for
1: sure. Well, we're sure hoping this Strebler kid can – uh, light it up tonight, or, or you know, I, how's I guess... He, how's
7: he looked so far in the preseason?
1: You know, in the preseason, in the first game against Edmonton, right, first pregame against Edmonton, he went 10 for 10. He looked great. Now, Edmonton had nobody of any note on the team. It was all, you know, all rookies, right? And then right. in the second preseason game, he played okay. The other guy, Alex Ross, probably played a little better than him. But as Coach O'Shea said, yeah, it's about that, but it's also about how he is in the huddle, how he is in the locker room. W- would you have any advice for Chris tonight, Joey?
7: Um, you know, just play within yourself. Don't do anything that you're not on game day. Prepare like you're like you're the starter as always and uh, play with confidence within the system. Uh, you know, make the same throws you made in practice. Do it in the game. Um, so there's guys that can do that. And if he builds a little confidence early, um, you know I, I would expect he, he was, he's going to have a good game. Obviously, he's done in the preseason. It's still the same nerves. It's still football. You know, you got to snap it and and you got to get first downs and get touchdowns. So um, just play within the play within the offense. That's for sure. Good
1: advice, Joey. Thanks for doing this. I want to talk a little bit about you. What have you been up to? What's this Elliott quarterback academy?
7: Hi, <laughs> well. I used to, that was what I ran when I was playing the CFL. Um, in my off-season time, I would work in the uh, training quarterbacks here in Indianapolis and in the Midwest. Uh, but right now I'm currently working with the Indianapolis Colts as a pro scout. I'm um, going on my third year. So I had to turn down the the pig skin and um, get into something else. I actually had the opportunity to... Um, play in Toronto or work for Ottawa. And I, I took the opportunity to work with Ottawa. And um, Marcel was nice enough to give me an opportunity to work in their scouting department. And what they've done is, I mean, unreal. I'm um, building a team from the ground up. Um, they've done an outstanding job with that franchise um, to be able to work for them for a year with Jeremy Snyder and Brock Sutherland. Um, it was awesome. I learned a lot from those guys and being based out of Indianapolis had a lot of contacts with the Colts and uh that's how the door opened here and I've been here ever since
1: Well good for you man that's a nice gig you know scouting for the Colts boy that's uh I mean I'm sure it was a change obviously going on the other side of the football but that's a good gig man
7: It it is it's been great um to work for a great organization um it was just tough you know as a as a journeyman back up in the CFL um at some point you know your career is going to it's it's inevitable that your career is going to end, and um, you have to look at what else you want to do. I want to stay in football, and how can you be a part of that? And um, scouting was the opportunity I was given, and you jump in and go.
1: Well, Joey, best of luck, and thanks for your time here with the Bombers. Appreciate the the time uh, I'm here cool
7: today. the Bombers this year, thanks so much.
1: All right, Joey Elliott joining us. Joey Elliott, the last rookie quarterback to start a Bomber game back in twenty. 20- Ten, And we'll see what Chris Trevler can do for the Big Blue tonight. Tristan Field-Jones and the 2.30 News coming right up. Then Carolyn Klassen after that. Hal Anderson afternoons on CJOB. Thank you very much, TFJ. All right, let's uh, move on from football. We're going to talk with Carolyn Klassen. She's here from Connex's Counseling. Dr. Raymond, I just saw on his Twitter feed a beautiful picture of uh, Carolyn Klassen at TEDx Winnipeg yesterday. How was it? Oh. I heard you closed the show. I did. Yeah, I was Did the last you come back of- on for an encore? <laughs>
8: No, but there was something that really cool happened right after my talk, which I loved, which I can tell you about. I just, I love Ted, all things Ted, yeah, TEDx. I know. Um, I listen to podcasts and, you know, I just have learned so much. And so to be a part of it mm-hmm. in giving sort of my idea worth sharing was just such an honor and a thrill. And um, it was also nerve wracking. So I'm glad it's over, but it was a hoot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you said you were, you. Were, I asked her off air, I said, how was it? And you said it was great once the, the panic ended. <laughs> yeah. So how long did the panic class? You, when you started, was the panic done or were, or was it into it a bit before the well, panic it, went away? It
8: had kind of gone away over the last 10 days or so because the the big deal is I do a lot of talking. I talk with yep. you in a spot every week. And but I, never like this. I speak to workshops, but I, I never memorize a really tight presentation. Mm. And this was about 12 and a half minutes. They timed it. It was tight. I had to memorize what was about 1725 words, which felt really out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. But if I'm going to ask clients to go out of their comfort zones in how they relate to themselves yeah. or relate to others gotta in their marriage. The I got to walk the walk, mm-hmm. right? So if I'm going to ask clients to do brave things, I've got to do brave things. And so I put my courage on and um, worked really hard to memorize it. And so as I was memorizing it more and more, I realized actually I can do this. I've got this. And so mostly I went into it feeling fairly good. But then there's this moment just before you go on stage with, and there's all these lights on you can't see any of the audience, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh. Can I do this when the spotlight is literally on me? Yeah. And I could, and I did, and so it's nice to know that when you do something terrifying and you are, com- you do it because you believe in it. It's mm. consistent with your values that you can show up, be seen, and live brave, which is yeah. the tagline of the work that I do with people all the time.
1: Well, congratulations, Thanks. and I know you're a big TED fan, I so am. for you to do a TEDx Winnipeg talk is very cool. And. And now the video's out there and people can check it out. Well, it
8: will be. I think ah. what they have to do is they have to edit it, send it to the TED people. And there's these things sort of called TED commanders. They have to approve it. They have to approve it. Mm. And then it will go online. So it'll take a number of weeks before it's publicly available uh, on YouTube. But uh, I'm looking forward to the day when I... I'm not even sure I can quite bear to watch it, but... uh, I'm looking forward to the opportunity to other people to have more people hear the idea that I felt was worth spreading.
1: Yeah, well, you looked great. I I just retweeted the picture. Dr. Uh, Raymond uh, had it on Twitter. I retweeted it. So if you want to go to thanks. at Hal Anderson on Twitter, you can get a look at uh, Carolyn on stage at TEDx uh, Winnipeg. Now I had on uh, young Sparsh Agrawal, who you said yes. Hal, you've got to see this grade nine kid from Acadia and what he's doing with uh, algorithms in nature and investing money and stuff. (laughs) So he was on, and I had Amy Cron on, who carves these beautiful spoons. spoons. Um, Tell me about some of the other people that spoke yesterday. So
8: uh, Jocelyn opened the day, Jocelyn Johnson, and she is deaf. She has, I guess maybe they call them a hearing ear dog, and she says, I'm not about giving you an inspirational talk about the beauty and the wonder of these animals and how helpful they are. This is about how to train humans to be in the general public, Mm. how to train humans to be helpful to people that have service dogs. Yeah. Um, Because so often our tendency is to want to pet them. Right. Um, And she talked about some of the dangers of petting uh, service dogs while they're working, right? Because they can, as they're doing the job, you can distract them. And she talked about a friend of hers who fell down the stairs with a seeing eye dog when the dog was distracted, when somebody petted the dog while mm-hmm. they were on the stairs. No one would want that to happen. But she says, the other thing is, if I'm to be polite and to explain to people over and over again why you can't pet the dog, she says, I have a life, right? Like, She said she counted one time when she went into the grocery store, she was stopped 20 times Mm. uh, by people who were wanting to pet the dog, and each time she had to politely explain why it wasn't allowed. She just ran in to get some milk, right? Um, And sometimes I think we just need to let people live their lives. So funny story about that was Mm -hmm. she has Lulu as her service animal, and her animal was always working during rehearsals. And then last night um, the speakers got together at... uh, somebody's house, and we had a barbecue to kind of celebrate. All We were all feeling much looser than we <laughs> yeah, had the night no before. <laughs> and um, at one point, her husband, um, who is hearing, announced to us that Jocelyn had taken his his uh, his like his costume off that made him a service dog, and she's, now he's just a dog, he's a pet, and now you can pet him. Oh. And we, all these months, we very respectfully not petted him and respected that he was working during all these rehearsals, and yesterday, he got to relax just like the rest of us.
1: So the dog got to have a party, and too. And we got
8: to meet Lulu. And it was just awesome meeting her and petting her and she's lovely and, and mm. you know, it was, it was beautiful. It was totally fun. Yeah. So that was fun. There was one on virtual reality um, where uh, John Luxford did part of the... Uh, his TED talk with virtuality, so we saw his avatar on the screens, mm. um, and he says, "This is how I more feel on the inside. That I don't, I don't look the way I feel on the inside. So this is how I feel on the inside." And we got to see how he really f- mm. sees himself. And he says, "Sometimes a representation of who we feel on the outside, inside, is a more accurate representation of who we are than what you see on the outside." Mm. It's kind of an interesting way to look at reality. Yeah. And some people disagreed with him. And that's awesome, too, because now you have discussion about what is identity and how do people really see me and how can people see who I am better. Mm-hmm. And, and that's so much of what the day is about, is encouraging people to engage with each other and share ideas and um, dialogue with each other in a way that helps us understand each other better and then to make the world a better place because we are sharing important mm-hmm.
1: ideas. What did you want to say about the MC?
8: Oh, so the MC, so Stephen and Katie, they were the MCs. They're improv actors. They're fabulous. They're so funny and on the spot. They do these games with the audience that they just had it all in stitches. Right, Caitlin had a, a poem at the end of the day, which was just brilliant, combining ideas of all fifteen speakers. But they had advised me because I was talking about, as you know, we are wired for connection, yeah. and I talked about the importance of relationships, meaningful relationships, and how they're hard and messy, but also outrageously beautiful. And they had said, once you're done your talk, stick around and just check behind stage because we're going to do something and we think that you'd probably want to see it. So what they did was they said to everybody, you know, all 600 people there, pull out your phones. I know that we always you don't usually don't hear that when you're supposed to be looking up at the front stage. But everybody, pull out your phones, look at your phones, and I want you to think about somebody who you realize that you've been meaning to connect with and you haven't gotten around to. Somebody who's an old friend that you miss that you need to reconnect with that you want to reconnect with. Mm. Who is it that that you need to have a good conversation with? And right now, text them and see if you can work towards setting something up in the next little bit, like arrange to meet them for a drink or for coffee or for dinner or go for a walk. Like, let's make. It happen. And so there's like 600 people pulling out their phones, letting somebody know, I care about you. You matter to me. I'd love to connect with you because we need to be with each other. Mm-hmm. We need to connect. And it just brought tears to my eyes to yeah. think of 600 people getting those emails. Mm-hmm. Um, and what a difference that makes if if we just all make a point of doing that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Even now it's getting oh, you kind of all... It
8: does. It makes me a little for clumped. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm happy for you. It sounds like you had a great day yesterday. And I I thought about you uh, all day yesterday because oh, I was, I just was hoping it was going well. And then of course I got to meet uh, uh, Sparsh Some and, of the people, and, and yeah. Amy. So, you know, and then I found out Dr. Raymond was giving one as well. And yeah. so I, I wanted all these people that I, uh, you know, had and a chance to meet. And they all great.
8: And people mm. were so, it's a big deal to go up and prepare something, put so much energy, say, this is my idea that yeah. I want to share, mm. have people put so much energy and then deliver it like 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 it's a huge – there's a big lead up to it. There's so much preparation that goes into it, so much support. Mm -hmm. The TED people are great where they they set the bar high, but they give you a lot of resources to meet it. And then to sort of walk up there and do it, everybody was sort of vibrating um, Mm -hmm. beforehand. And then everybody – you know, did such awesome jobs. Everybody mm-hmm. did really well. And then we could celebrate last night. It yeah. was a great day.
1: Now, if uh, before Carolyn forgets the 1,700 words that she has now <laughs> memorized, if you would like her to speak to your organization or company or group or even just you, I have a feeling you can convince her. How can people reach you if they want to reach you?
8: Well, we there's a, uh, a couple ways to call us on our website um, at connexiscounseling.ca yeah. You can go through the contact page or there's a link to email. And then you can always give us a call at 204-275-1045. And I just love to work with groups to help them connect better with each other, with themselves. Because I think when people, when we are wired for connection mm-hmm. and we have better wires between us, then entire organizations work better. And so we have to recognize that when we do well with each other, everybody does well, everything does better.
1: Carolyn Klassen connects Connexus Counseling. She's not going anywhere. We're just kind of wrapping up the TEDx Winnipeg part of the conversation. We'll take a break and come back. we got a couple other things to talk about with Carolyn. It's 243 at CJOB. And, of course, it's Thursday, so we're talking to Carolyn Klassen from Conexus Counseling. I sent you uh, an article I ran across about essential qualities in Couples. What are what are some essential qualities in couples? Do you think?
8: Well, the article you sent me interesting was essential qualities in couples that last, according to matchmakers. And so right. they interviewed matchmakers, yes. people who are professional matchmakers in various cities.
1: What they say and is important. What they said, yeah.
8: and and I think they had some things that were worthwhile. Mm. Uh, the first one was they communicate well, uh, and this is something where do you have to talk in order to communicate and there can be a lot of nonverbal communication but sometimes you just have to clarify things and really that can only be done through words. Yeah. Um, and so uh communication is key in a relationship and long-term couples know that it's talking about clarif- making clarifications and also letting people um John Gottman he write he when he does a lot of research on the importance of what works in a marriage and what are the key components to effective marriages, and he talks about the importance of learning each other's love maps. Hmm. And a love map is what has your person tick, right? Like if you want to do a treat for them, are you going to buy them an ice cream or a book or a bouquet of flowers? Like what's really going to have them feel loved and appreciated? Or maybe it's not even buying them something. Maybe it's washing the dishes for them after supper. But Hmm. how do you know what makes the other person feel appreciated or valued or loved unless you ask them, Hmm. right? Um, how do you know what ticks them off or what doesn't work or why they get irritated at certain points or when they're tired, what happens, how you can best support them when they're tired. And we all have times when we're tired or stressed. How can you help that person get through that patch? Because it would be different for different people and there's no way you can know unless you hear from the other person what's going on. And so you really have to communicate. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and that means talking about it. And I think one of the other things, so it's letting the other person know about your love map and like asking for what you need and for what you want, um, giving yourself permission to have needs and wants and to express those to other people, not as an order, as an expectation, but as a way of letting your partner know you so that they can keep that in mind as part of getting to know you better. And then there's the other part of... So often when things happen in a marriage because we need the other person's love and care and because we're, we're always kind of worried that we're going to lose it, sometimes we can jump to conclusions mm-hmm. where we tell, we we see something that's happened and then we tell ourselves a story about yeah. it, which may or may not be true.
1: We assume this we is assume, what's happening and right? it may not be even close.
8: So if one partner says to the other, you know, why don't you go shopping and get yourself a few things, get a few new items of clothing a person could say, Oh, that's really sweet. Or if they're on an off day or they're already stressed or they're feeling like the cup is half full, they can say, What? They don't like my wardrobe? Mm-hmm. They don't like how I'm dressed? Right. And they can take it as a criticism rather than as an opportunity to feel blessed, right? Mm-hmm. And how are you supposed? And that to,
1: would certainly need r- clarification.
8: How else can you find out what the mm-hmm. other person intended by it, unless you check it out? And right. and often, what I recommend to couples do when they're talking about that stuff is to say, "The story I'm telling myself about when you said this is that." Mm-hmm. And then the person has a chance to say, yep, I do think that you could use a few more clothes or you just look tired and stressed. And I just like to give you an evening out at the mall because I know Mm -hmm. you love that. And I think that would make your week go better if you had a chance to buy yourself a new top.
1: Yeah, because it's really important to understand what the person means, not just what they said. We hear what they said, but what did they mean?
8: Right. And as much as we might like to think when you're married to somebody that I know what they're thinking None of us are mind readers. Mm -mm. We can't know. And often because of the way our brains are always looking for danger in our environment because we want to keep ourselves safe. And so our brains are much more likely to notice something is not going well as going well. That's normal. That's a normal part of how brains are wired we are often set out to look and notice the danger or the criticism or hear an edge to something when mm. there may or may not be there. Yeah. And so you can't know what the other person intended unless you check it out. Mm-hmm. And when you check something out, it's not saying you were critical of me when you told me to go shopping for new clothes, to say, I think I was feeling like you were criticizing me, but I want to check it out. Yeah, And then the other person doesn't f- have to feel criticized or blamed, mm. but just has a chance to say, this is what I was thinking. Because you can't know what other people are thinking.
1: Mm-hmm. So communication was communication, on there. What else yeah. on that list did you like?
8: The second is about being transparent. And transparent and authenticity, they're fairly related. It's about being honest with what's going on, um, letting people know how you're really feeling about something. So often, when I work with um, people in counseling, they will say something about, you know, my spouse always does this and it really hurts me, it really bothers me. And then I'll say, well, have you talked to your spouse about it? And they'll say, well, no, because if I brought it up, it would probably hurt his or her feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it might hurt his or her feelings, but in the meantime, it's allowed to continue and they are hurting your feelings. Mm. So it's it's never comfortable saying something when you don't know how the other person is going to react, but hiding them from your feelings isn't moving anything forward and actually often builds up resentment. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that book that I talked about um, a couple of weeks ago, couple months ago, I guess, that I wrote um, that you and I talked about is if it's not working for one of you, it's actually not working for either of you.
1: Right. It just ain't working.
8: It just ain't working. Right. And so if you're feeling really resentful because you feel like the other person isn't pitching in at home enough, to have that conversation in a way that says, I'm feeling like I'm caught holding the heavier end of things around here. And I want us to work together towards figuring out how I don't have to feel so miserable in this. Mm. If you can do it in a non-blaming way, but open up open it up in a way that says, this is how I'm feeling inside. I'm transparent. It gives you a chance to work on something rather than letting it slide and snowball for five or 10 or 15 years. And then one day, you know, that last thread in the relationship snaps. And when you go into a marriage therapist's office, there's nothing left to fix because mm-hmm. it's it's over. And that's really pain. That's why I wrote the book was it's so painful to watch something that could have been repaired years ago. And that transparency is hard. John Gottman, the person I was just re- referring to, the researcher, he says that the average couple waits six years too long to start marriage counseling. Mm -hmm. They wait for a problem for six years. And can you imagine the fraying on the relationship that if if there's... How much
1: damage was done that maybe wasn't necessary?
8: Right. If you catch it early, right, it's like the rattle in the engine. If you catch Mm -hmm. it right when it happens, it's way less expensive than if you leave it for a couple of months. And by then, you know, you got more damage. But let me
1: give you a little lesson here, Carolyn Klassen. When you say, as I wrote in my book... You Mm -hmm. then give the title of your book because it's about selling books. So you say, Hal, you know, my book that I wrote called. Oh, Sorry. Yes, I
8: I apologize. My marriage is almost dead um, and my husband doesn't get it. Um, It was it's the idea is as to how if something isn't because statistically it's more likely that the woman isn't being transparent with Mm. her feelings. Uh, and how can you give your husband the gift of letting him know when something isn't working for you? Because you yeah. can't fix something that you don't know about.
1: Mm-hmm. There. We got the plug in for the book. <laughs> thanks Wanted to make sure thanks for that. the correction. Yeah. Help. Well, come on now. This is, uh, you know, it's about helping people, but it's also in, you know, about selling books.
8: You're awesome.
1: That's what it's about. Um, anyhow, I'm really happy everything went well for you yesterday. Again, uh, give us phone number, website. Connexus Counseling.
8: Our phone number is 204-275-1045 and connexuscounseling.ca is C-O-N-E-X and then counseling with two L's C A. All
1: right. Enjoy your week. We'll talk next Thursday. Take care. Carolyn Claassen. Yes, Carolyn Claassen from TEDx Winnipeg Fame. Absolutely. That's her with the book. And yeah, that's her. Tell You're people. Great. Tell everybody. 2.56, we're going to take a quick break. The news with Tristan Field-Jones, and then Hal Anderson Afternoons continues. Uh, we got to talk about organic lawn care. There are some workshops coming up. That's on the way, and much more on CJOB. Hal Anderson, you can always use that number, too. Well, what do you think, TFJ? Are the Bombers going to do it tonight, Chris Trevler, uh, a quarterback?
3: Are you asking me for sports predictions?
1: Oh yeah, right. I, I predict that. there will You're be sports. A, yes, there will be sports. I guess I'm just looking for somebody to go. Hal, it's going to be okay. It's going to be fine, Hal. I'm just it'll, searching desperately for somebody to say, "Don't worry, we got it." It'll be interesting. Yeah, oh for I, sure. I,
3: I, I don't think here's the thing. I mean, obviously with Matt Nichols out, that's mm. not good news. But I don't think it's going to be a total disaster because mm. there's such a. It's, it seems like it's such a talented team. Yeah. That uh, I, I think
1: that it may not be great. As long as he can protect the ball and kind of manage the ball well, maybe not against Edmonton because man, they're good. But yeah, but I, I hope we come out of this four or six games with a split. That would be fantastic. Yes, I think absolutely. Be good. Um, did you see this uh, uh, new study about uh, all the food we eat at work?
3: I don't know why you'd be asking me about that.
1: How? Uh, because I've seen you devour quite a bit of food at work. Uh, here it is. It's from the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention. Well, that's new, a good sign. New study, yep. So it's legit. Um, and we have a lot of food here. We we have a couple different break rooms here. We don't really – we just bring the food right into the newsroom. We eat it right there. Maybe. Julie Buckingham is the worst for bringing food in for yeah. everybody. I mean, the worst, but the best. We love it. But, you know, it's not – it's apparently not good for us. Um, here is uh, what this study says. It says that we eat an average of 1,300 calories at work every week. And an online science news website claims most of those calories are from empty calories, which come from foods with high levels of fat and sugar. And 70% of those calories come from those free foods you come across in the break room. So all that mm. food at work, if you can, try and avoid it. It's, it's not, uh, not good for us. Yeah, that's not happening. I know. It's ridiculous. I don't know why we're even talking. I know why we're talking about it, because I want to play for you a brand new song from Muchos Kilos, me, Shainer, and Timmy, my band of big guys. Here it is, Eating in the Break Room.
8: You wake up and go to work every day with a plan to eat healthy, but then someone brings cookies and pizza for everyone, and you notice it's making your pants fit a little too tight. You can't let free food go to waste. Let me tell you. Then I smell frosting, and that is my cue. Work is where I get my fill of junk food. Eating in the break room. Snacks are in the break room. Now I look all flabby when I'm at the pool. Because I like chowing down on treats in the work break room.
1: Oh, yes. Muchos kilos, me, Shainer, and Timmy, my band, of big guys, eating in the break room. We all like doing it, but it's not good for us. A lot of extra calories. And a lot of those calories, as I said, according to this study, are the bad ones, right? The fatty, sugary calories. So try and not do it if you can. I know it's tough, but if you can, try and not do it. A couple of deaths I wanted to tell you about. DJ Fontana, the drummer who helped launch rock and roll as Elvis Presley's sideman, has died at 87. His wife Karen says her husband died in his sleep in Nashville last night. Fontana rose from strip clubs in his native Shreveport, Louisiana, to the heights of musical history as Presley's first and longtime drummer. Fontana was there for Presley's extraordinary first wave of success, including hit singles like Jailhouse Rock and Hound Dog. Another one I mentioned, keyboardist John McElrath of The Swinging Medallions. The Swinging Medallions. He has died of Parkinson's disease. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution reports McElrath died Saturday at 77. He was 77 years old. The Swinging Medallions had a top 10 hit in 1966. You will know the song. I, To be honest with you, I know this song. But I did not know that it was done by the Swing and Medallions, but it was Double Shot of My Baby's Love. Rath told the Journal Constitution in 1992, they asked people from off the street to come in and make it sound as though a party was going on during the recording. McElrath retired from performing with the Swinging Medallions, but his two sons were in the band. The Swinging Medallions band members and crew will be honorary escorts at his memorial service next week in Greenwood, South Carolina. So DJ Fontana and John McElrath passing away. Uh, if you are a music fan, thought that would be of interest to you. What do you say we take a break here? 3:12. we'll check traffic and the weather forecast. You're going to want to keep an eye on the weather. We could see some potentially severe weather, especially in southwestern Manitoba. Details on the way, and then Hal Anderson Afternoons continues. Coming up on 318, so we're just over two hours away from the Bomber pregame show here on CJOB with Bob Irving and Doug Brown. And uh, speaking of Doug, he, of course, does the Bomber podcast with Greg Mackling. And I wanted to play a little bit of the latest podcast. So if you are uh, got a little time and you're thinking I'm going to be listening to the game tonight, you want to get ready for the game, that podcast is available now at CJOB.com, Google Play, iTunes, subscribe to it, and then it'll just show up when it's ready. But uh, the latest podcast, they talk about the big storyline around this first game, right? Chris Drevler, young rookie quarterback uh, starting for the Bombers tonight. And uh, as Greg and Doug talk about it on the podcast, um, Doug, if it were his decision, would have went the other way. He maybe would not have gone with strevler He would have went with Alex Ross instead. A bit of the podcast now just to tease you to go and listen to the rest of it. Here you go.
6: As far as what I saw in the preseason games alone. Not the way you would have gone. It, it made sense to me that Ross, hey, he's a guy that went out, played against starters, played better. Right. Whereas the other guy, when he played against a high-caliber defense, absolutely had the reverse result of his initial performance. So to me... You're going to see more of the same, if not more so, against this Edmonton defense on Thursday. So, but then again, you know, a missed opportunity. Uh, one of my one of our questions for O'Shea after the game was, if you got two new quarterbacks and you're not bringing a starting offensive line or any of the starting weapons, isn't that a missed opportunity mm. to get these guys additional game speed rep and up to speed with the guys they're going to be playing with? Do you want to see one quarter with Ross? And the starters, or at least the starting offensive line, they should well, have at least have the same opportunity, right? Yeah, you just it just uh, to me, when something like that happens with your starting quarterback, Nichols, boom, all of a sudden now you're in a crunch to see how many reps can we get these new guys with the people they're going to be playing with for up to a third of the football season. You might as well take advantage of that. They didn't travel those guys, so that was a head scratcher for me. So they should have changed their philosophy a little bit in terms of how they treat those preseason games, in your opinion? Well. Because your franchise quarterback went down. So, yeah, you want to stay on track, but guess what? You just derailed, right? So you might as well, I don't know. To me, it was just like, okay, whoa, things are different now, guys. We should at least travel our starting offensive line so we they can both have a level of comfortability back there and or the run, a semblance of a run game can be there and or have the receivers there so they will be throwing to these guys in live game scenarios because as of right now, the first time, you know, uh, Streveler is going to throw to Weston Dressler is going to be on Thursday.
1: Doug Brown and Greg Mackling, the Bomber Podcast. Go get it at cjob.com, Google Play, iTunes. I like, D- I like Doug a lot. He says it how it is, he is not afraid to give his opinion. Uh, Doug Brown and Greg Mackling, that Bomber Podcast. Uh, po- if you're a Bomber fan, that Bomber Podcast is required listening. No question about it. So, uh, today is uh, Donald Trump's birthday, by the way, 72 today. And uh, we, of course, know that he met in Singapore with uh, Kim Jong-un from North Korea. And we now know why Kim Jong-un brought his own toilet to the summit in Singapore. I don't know if you heard that or not, but he did. He brought some other things as well. Um. Here's what uh, the South Korean newspaper uh, that reported the story uh, said about the meeting. Uh, some of his uh, measures, Kim Jong-un's measures at this summit. He used decoys, a uh, decoys. He used decoys. He even transported his own bulletproof limousine on a cargo plane because he wanted his own car, right? And, of course, the other one that jumped out when we saw it was his own portable toilet that was transported there. Well, why would he want his own toilet? The South Korean newspaper says the reason is that he was worried that sewer divers would be able to look at his poop and figure out personal health information from the poop of his that they would collect. I'm not joking. That was this this South Korean paper says this is why because he was worried that they was somebody would get a hold of his poop and decide that they could tell things about his health from that poop. Wow, paranoid, right? Or maybe not. Maybe he's uh I used to have a, a buddy in radio. Used to say to me all the time, "How you're paranoid like a fox." It, was, it made no sense. It was a ridiculous saying because I'm I tend it sometimes to be kind of paranoid. But that's pretty paranoid, you know. Like really, how do you tell? How do you tell the difference between Kim Jong Un's poop and just somebody else's poop that's staying in the same hotel? It's ridiculous. All right. Well, we're out of time, and the boss is probably listening, going, "Good. Glad we're out of time. Glad we can't talk anymore about, about Kim Jong Un's poop on the radio." We're going to take a break. Weather, uh, sports, news, all on the way. Allen, CJOB.